Welcome to Pardes Daily, where you get your daily dose of Torah with Pardes faculty. This time, Pardes is bringing Pesach to you. Let's dive in. Hi, this is Rachel Berkovitz coming to you from Jerusalem. This is Unit 12, where we're going through the Mishnayot of Masachet Pesachim. Yesterday, we saw that the Mishnah defined five types of grains that were linked to grains that are tithed that could be used for the to fulfill the obligation in Pesach. And we discussed that it was most likely talking about the matzah that I was going to use to eat with my korban Pesach. Mishnah Vav now is going to describe the Yerakot that I can use to fulfill my obligation in korban Pesach. And I remind you that the Torah says that in Shmot, that the Korban Pesach is eaten of matzot al-marurim. I roast the meat, I have the bread, and then I have the condiment. I have my coleslaw or my sauerkraut or my ketchup, right, or my pickle maybe in there to make a yummy sandwich. And on that verse in, in the JPS's explanation of the Torah written by um, Professor Sarna, he thinks that marurim was probably like a generic term for some type of pungent condiment that pastoral nomads would habitually season their um, meals of roasted meat with. And possibly maybe it helped if, if the meat was a little off if you had the seasoning. And that it was for probably a collective, like sort of generic term. In our Mishnah, we're going to try to define which vegetables will qualify for these marurim. Right? And so it says, Which vegetables does a person fulfill their obligation on Pesach? And I said here, I think it's linked to the Korban, right? To just eat Mara plain at the Seder is only a Durabanan, right? There isn't a biblical obligation to eat Mara on its own in any way, right? You could claim that there are verses in the Torah that say for seven days eat Matzot, and Matzah stands on its own separate from Korban Pesach, even though I wanted to interpret last yesterday's Mishnah as linked to the Korban Pesach, but Maror in the Torah doesn't stand on its own separate from Korban Pesach. And then like with the grains where we had five grains, the Mishnah now is going to list five vegetables, all of which we don't exactly know what they are, and I'm going to have trouble reading them. Bechazeret, right, which is the one we mostly know, we translate that as just plain lettuce. Here in Israel, many people use romaine lettuce. And I, I need to remind you that we've domesticated lettuce so much that it's lost a lot of its bitterness, but that more wild or earlier domesticated lettuce was pretty bitter. And even romaine lettuce, if you just eat the stalk of it, can be bitter. Um, so most people in Israel today here use romaine lettuce, but it, here it just says the generic term for lettuce. And then it says uva ulshin, which... All different commentaries try to say. Some people say it's endive. Some people say it's chicory. I don't even feel it. You could Google these pictures and you'll see a type of leafy lettuce um, that is described as bitter in the descriptions on Google. Uva tamcha, which here some people say is wild chicory. And other people say, I'm going to spell this, P-I-C-R-I-D-I-U-M is what Albuk says. I don't even know how to pronounce that. It's, it's a version of lettuce if you Google it, and it's bitter. Um, uva Charchavina, Albuk thinks it's E-R-I-N-G-I-U-M, Eringium, another type of lettuce that is bitter. Uva Maror. And here, um, most people understand that the maror is not what you might think of as horseradish, 
right? That's what they had in Europe. So they used it. But horseradish is actually sharp and not bitter. And most people think that myrrh is identified with the Sonchus, C-O-N-C-H-U-S, which is part of the dandelion tribe and has very bitter stalks and leaves like lettuce. And all of these great, all of these type of, 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 of plants, all these uracotes are bitter. Uh, the Gemara says that they possess some type of sap when you open them. There's like a little bit of a, a milky thing. They have like silvery grayish green leaves. They're vegetables that taste bitter. There are types of lettuce, different types of lettuce, whether they're wild or domesticated lettuces that taste bitter. Okay. And so these are how you fulfill your obligation in murrah. Now, then the Mishnah continues and it, and it adds a line that we didn't see with the grain because it's not applicable to grain, but it's applicable to vegetables. You fulfill your obligation, whether they are soft, whether they are fresh, or whether they are dried, whether they are not fresh. And then the Babylonian Talmud has a hesitancy on the dried. And in, in, in a minute towards the end, if you skip two lines with your eyes, it says, you fulfill it with their stock. And the Bavli says, the dried, it's only the stock that you could use, right? Once again, we have another example where the tradition of Mishnah from Israel has a different version of the Mishnah here. Instead of saying whether they're fresh or whether they're dried, instead of the word dried, instead of the word yevishim, they have the word kimushim, kaf, mem, vav, shin, yud, nun, which means wilted or withered, right? Fresh and like a little bit not fresh i.e. not dried, right? And the question here is really going to be, I want to retain their bitterness. And we know that dried spices aren't as strong and um, don't retain their original flavor. So according to the Babylonian version, if they're dried, the stalk where I guess the flavor was more bitter originally and is concentrated would be okay, but not the leaves. And according to the version that comes from Eretz Yisrael, fresh and wilted or a little bit withered, but not dried. And then it says, right? They can't be pickled and they can't be boiled and they can't be cooked. And pickled seems to be uh, pickled in vinegar in some way. Maybe shulak is like stewed, right? These things change their taste. We know obviously that bitter things, when you cook them down, they become less bitter. And possibly if you pickle them in some way, it changes their taste. And the purpose of eating it is that you're supposed to have the bitterness. And so they need to be in a fresh state. They can't be in these altered states. It's the same vegetable, but it, because here the taste is essential, I can't alter its state so that it changes its taste. And then it says, and they join together for the minimum amount that you are required to eat, which is an olive size, right? And here, what does it mean they join together? I could have one leaf of the chazeret and one leaf of the dandelion thing and one leaf of the chicory. And if they, if, if together they make the minimum uh, amount, the size of an olive, which is the minimum amount I need to eat to fulfill my obligation. And for some reason, when it was talking about the matzah, it didn't list the minimum amount that you had to eat. Then they joined together and it doesn't matter which type of vegetable I ate, right? And here, this idea of mitzrafim joining together also I think is linked to the idea about human intention, right? Human beings sometimes join things together to make new units, even though the original parts weren't all of the same. And also I think maybe you can even think about pickling and cooking and stewing to get rid of the bitterness 
is for sure about human intention and about human enjoyment. I don't really actually like bitterness so much, so I do different things um, to my food to change it. And then the Mishnah continues similarly the way the Mishnah before it to talk about issues of tithing, which is a little bit interesting because the commandment to tithe things is, is a commandment on fruits that grow from the land. And I know you don't really think of wheat as a fruit, but it is a fruit. And the commandment to tithe vegetables, right, which are slightly different, greens, right, yerakot, from the word yerok, greens, like lettuces, right, don't think the word vegetables because it gets all confusing, right, um, is tomato a vegetable or a fruit, is only to Rabbanan. The, the idea that we have to give tithes on yerakot is only a rabbinic um, idea, but here too we have it parallel the matzah, and we say, right? And doesn't finish the sentence, but the implication is that, oh, maybe I had to read it from the beginning. Right? And I fulfill my obligation. I skipped that line. I apologize. And I fulfill my obligation with their stalks, right? Their stalks, not just their leaves, their stalks. And remember, I said this could be referring to when it's a little bit wilted or when it's dried. And as well, the other way that I fulfill my obligation is with demai, is with produce that is in doubt whether it's been tithed, that aniyim are allowed to eat, that ameha aretz is, we're not sure if they took the tithes or not. I can fulfill my obligation if I'm a levy and I was given a tithe of these type of lettuce, and then I separated my tithe and gave it to the kohen. That is okay for me to take Mara from. And the same thing if it's Maser Shani, right? Those same years that we said with the Matzah, right? Years one, two, four, and five of the seven year sabbatical cycle, where I separate the tithe myself and I'm supposed to bring it to Yerushalayim. If I have redeemed it for money and therefore I'm going to bring the money to Yerushalayim, I can then eat my lettuce as the mitzvah of maror and no problem. And the mission doesn't even say the flip side that we had with the chametz, but I assume the flip side, meaning the flip side was obvious. If it's not tithe, no. And if you haven't, if the lady hasn't taken it or if you haven't redeemed it, then no. And so I have a Mishnah that now parallels basically my Mishnah with the grains. Obviously, the difference is the Mishnah with the grains had that interesting bit about the Nazir and the Toda that was linked to sacrifices because once again, the Mishnah wanted to remind me that the concept of matzah is linked to, right, the fact that I'm eating matzah, looks at my korban pasuk, and that I am not having any chametz is linked to behaviors that are normative in all sacrifices. That jump I can't make with korban pasuk because one of the unique things about korban pasuk is that there's also a vegetable I'm supposed to eat, right? There isn't really any other any other sacrifice that is brought in the temple that has a vegetable. There are other things where I have grains and I might use oil, which comes obviously from a, an olive, like the olive mentioned here. And, and there's meats and there's wine, but there isn't, um, which also comes from grapes, right? But there isn't any vegetable. And the vegetable here is the unique part of the Korban Pesach that's different than all other Korbanot. Because this vegetable is bitter. And that's why I really want to remember the bitterness. I need this bitterness. I don't know if it's linked to, if I'm supposed to hear, think now of the bitterness of Mitzrayim. Or if I'm supposed to think of this more as a, a home-based korban and a home-based way human beings eat that they put condiments. 
Um, I'm not sure. It doesn't it doesn't point me. I know in the 10th chapter, it explicitly says that the Mara is to remember the bitterness we felt in Egypt. But in this context, I'm, I, it's clear that the finger is notice that it's bitter because if you change its cooking style and it loses its bitterness, it's not okay. But I'm not exactly sure why I need to focus on that completely. Okay, we're going to stop here. And tomorrow we will continue with the Mishnayot that are going to go back to the question of the prohibition of getting enjoyment from Hametz and what I can and cannot do then with these grains or parts of these grains, etc., on Pesach. Thank you to our Pardes faculty and a big thanks to you, our learners. Make sure to check back in every day to stay on track with your learning and visit www.pardes.org.il for more information about other ways to learn with Pardes.